0: All right so this morning as you all know our senior pastors are out um, but they send their hellos. They'll be with us next week but this morning I have the privilege to introduce my main screens, my favorite person, my main person um, but other than that he is uh, my man of God so if you give it up for my husband Tracy. him, you know, so um, as you, some of y'all may or may not know, my husband and I, uh, 11 years anniversary was on Friday, and I'm really grateful to God because, you know, marriage is not easy, and um, I I waited, you know, so for the young ladies that are waiting, you know, and God brought him over a thousand miles to be here with me, so just wait patiently uh, for my single... 1,700 miles. He always want to add the 700, but it's true. Okay, 1,700 miles. Um, and I know God is going to use him this morning. So let us pray. Father God, we thank you and we honor you again, my God. Lord, I pray for my husband, Tracy, Father God. Let him, let him be a vessel, Father God, that his words uh, may be fall on fertile ground, Father God, and let us be receptive so that we can uh, use it throughout the week, my God. And bless him in such a way. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, baby. Amen. Where? Oh yeah, so oh you saw that? Yeah, yeah, Here you go. I'll share. See that. And you can't see who's photobombing behind us, and that's Marianne. Ann. Pastor Mary She's right in the middle of photobombing us. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thank you very much. Ain't my wife can you can you? Uh, I just want to give give God the honor for uh, my wife, and she's been such a blessing in in of course in my family, my family's life, and in our daily walk. In. And and uh, it's it's interesting because uh, no matter where you are in your relationship, someone always between your partnership needs a hand. And uh, at certain times I've been the hand, and at certain times she's she's been the hand, and and, uh, and and so I'm just blessed that I've I've had somebody that can that can handle my buffoonery, and uh, and, and that's a blessing, you know, that that we can that, that we can deal with each other enough to where we can where we can really uh, that we can deal with each other enough where we can just have a uh, a great time growing, but then also growing in Christ, and that's what's important. That's probably the most important thing right there, because I can can tell you right now, the success of marriage evolves around your relationship with God. If anybody says anything differently, run away. That's not marriage counseling that you actually really would need. Amen. So um, we're going to get started, and uh, it's interesting how she uh because she didn't know what i was gonna uh teach on today uh but she talked about you know the tithes and offering and things like that so we're gonna roll right into that amen so we're gonna go start off with exodus 36 uh verse 1 through 7 and so bazel Obla, please forgive me <laughs> And every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of construction, the sanctuary, are to, to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. Then Moses summoned Bezel and Olab, Olab, let's just call him O. And every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who uh, was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of construction, constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offering morning after morning. <clears throat> morning after morning they continued to bring their free will. They kept going. So the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work of the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order and they sent the word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more. Because what they already had was more than enough to do the work. That is amazing. Think about it. Can you imagine the type of culture where everyone in the church gives freely to accomplish a goal? Think about that. What they give that, that, that they give so much that that they had to be told to stop. What, what, they, they, they have more than enough to build the, the, the new church or, or to build the new outreach center. Or, or, or they, they have more than enough to, to help the, the, the family. That house was destroyed in a fire because they couldn't afford the insurance. They had more than enough. So much. Can you imagine that we have to say, stop? We don't need that much. Slow your roll. We 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 can have, we got it. So much so that we can say, you know what, it's not necessary to make all them empanadas, so we can sell between our services. Unless you know the guava and queso, you can continue to make that. But the rest of them, you don't have to make that. You don't have to, cause we got it. It's covered. That's a grace. That's a blessing. You know what that's called? That's called a giving culture. That's a giving culture. And that's a culture that, that we as a body, as far as today, modern church, that, that we need to go back into our roots in. Because that's a part of the Great Commission. Think about it. Let us pray. Father, we come to you once again to glorify your name and who you are, Lord. Father, it is all about you. It's about your kingdom. It's about your will. It is about your purpose for every soul. So, Father, as we get deep into your word today, Father, let it manifest, Lord. Let it bring a change, Father. And most of all, Lord, let you get the glory. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me ask you this question. What kind of culture do you want to represent in your life. Wonder if anybody has ever asked you about that before. A lot of times we ask, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? Or or where where do you see yourself, you know, in your marriage? And and, and how successful do you think you will see yourself, you know, uh, when you graduate from college or you get your master's and doctorate and all that kind of stuff. People ask about all those things as far as those particular accomplishments or accolades in life. But yet no one kind of asked a question or nobody maybe have asked you a question is, is that what kind of culture do you want to build? Culture is not just about race or, you know, whether or not you eat rice or beans or collard greens. That, that, that's not about culture. That's, that, that's environment. But what we're talking about is, is that how are you going to raise your next generation And what are the beliefs of that next generation? That's how you establish culture from generation to generation to generation. So I ask you this because we talked about faith action so much. Faith and putting our uh, faith into action. If you look at the past year messages, there's always going to be something about our faith and then putting that into work. There has to be a reason why God wants to continuously address this issue in our lives. Now, I think I know one of the reasons is is that uh, it's so important as to who we are, as to identify our culture that we're trying to establish, that we hope we are, through our faith and through our actions. And it's also part of who God wants us to become. So And I wonder if the reason we sometimes don't see the manifestations of things that we desire in life is because we don't put into practice the necessary steps to accomplish what God has called us to do. That faith action thing. The Hebrews are taking free will to a whole new level. Free will giving to a whole new level. Because you're talking about a group of people that have been tortured, murdered, stripped away from everything as to who they were. And then you're talking about a people who gave everything that they can have for the common good. But yet, what happened to that culture mentality through the generations? Paul talks about this type of giving kingdom culture in the New Testament. It's not just in the Old Testament. His letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6-9 reads, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. That's pretty simple. So let me put it this way. In terms that sometimes even I can understand it. Because when you get into the Bible, you get into the thou's and R's and everything. And then you got to look at the suffix. And then you got the Greek language, Hebrew definition. But let me put it out this way. That's something that we can all understand. If I only sow my time and offering into the house when it's convenient and comfortable to me, I will only have a convenient reaping. That's it. My reaping would only be as a convenient as I was convenient to God's kingdom. And for me, I learned that the hard way. Um, be honest with you. What did I say? That's my T or that's the truth or uh, keeping it real. Is it? You hit sometimes you, 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 you learn a hard way. So I just want to, I just want to teach and share you what I've learned. So some, so, sometimes we, we, we don't have to have anybody else go through some of the things that we've had to go through the hard way. So because of all of that and and because I had to learn the hard way, that right there established a culture change in my house, in my family. For me, my wife, they've always had that. But for me, that was a culture change. Verse 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Copulation, right? For God loves a cheerful giver, Verse 9, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. See, Paul is saying that God will provide all that you need so you can be an impact not only in your family's life, but also in the kingdom. So today we're going to talk about two, two um, uh, kind of uh, two Areas of a culture or of a giving on each is going to be on one extreme level uh, to the other. And there's two type of cultures, and the first one we're going to talk about is extravagant giving. Extravagant giving. Ask your neighbor, are you an extravagant giver? <laughs> And ask your neighbor, do you even know what that is? <laughs> <laughs> because we gonna get into it. <laughs> this type of uh, of giving goes far beyond than what somebody expects from someone, right? Because you're saying it's extravagant. It's like it's like, man, that's good. You walk outside and you know Oprah's right in front of you. Here's your new car. Here's your new house. That's what we think of extravagant giving, right? You know, you wanna be in that Oprah audience or or even uh Ellen. I don't know, you know, just show up to Ellen and you'd be like, Ellen gave her all of that. I was just like, Man, that's you know, I'm not even watch Ellen, but I just happened to look at it that one time. I'm like, Wow. You know, but uh we we that's what our mindset is on extravagant giving, right? And 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 that's that that that's kind of what the world uh, thinks, and, what, one of the, and, and sometimes the word extravagant has a negative uh, uh, condensation to it when you look at it in a dictionary, but there's one little sliver of positiveness when you talk about extravagant giving, and it says one definition of extravagant is going beyond what is deserved or justifiable, a.k.a. grace grace. Because sometimes somebody comes into our life and gives us something that we absolutely have no deservance of. That sounds like God. But we have to understand that we are called to be extravagant givers also. So let's look at an example. And we're going we're gonna to break this down. So you mind if I teach? for Okay. All right. Second Kings four, eight through 17. One day, Elijah, Elijah, there's two Elijahs. There's Elijah and Elijah. This is the younger one. He, <laughs> he superseded Elijah because God took Elijah, right? This was his apprentice. Okay. And he got double portion. Pastor Will preached about that several weeks ago, about his double portion uh, from. So he ended up doing twice the amount of miracles and twice the amount of work um, um, that uh, Elijah had done. So in other words, this man had it going on. Okay, so one day Elijah went to Shanem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. Sounds good. We all want to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put it in a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. Did y'all catch that? How do we go from let's feed the man of God to adding an addition onto our house? They added an addition onto their house for someone that only shows up once in a while. Think about that. Some of y'all won't even put out an air mattress to some families that come into town, right. let alone build an addition. Right? You tell them there's a Motel 6 or there's an Economy Inn up the street. You're good to go right up there. You're like, I am not. And, and think about this. We know down here in Miami, construction is expensive. Imagine us building an efficiency legally onto somebody's home <laughs> that I got legally. We're in Hyde, so we know. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be a good, good, good chunk of change. That's what the Bible express says here that she was a woman of means. So for her. Whatever the cost was. It didn't matter. So verse 11, it says, one day when Elijah came, he went up to his room and laid down there. So he's getting comfortable already in this edition. He feels blessed. He said to his servant Gazile, Gazile, okay, Call the Shinemite. So he called her, and she stood before him. Elijah said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak, to, to, can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home amongst my own people. What can we do for her, Elijah asked. Shahazi said, she has no son, and her husband is old. Then Elijah said, call her. So he called her, and she stood in the doorway. Let's stop right there. At this point in her relationship with Elijah, she revealed nothing of her desires nothing. She asked for nothing. The only thing that she knew was, is that this was a man of God and she had the means to bless him. She had the opportunity to be a blessing. That's the only thing she knew. So she operated on faith, action, That says, no matter what happens, the only thing I know is, is that this is a representative of God. I'm going to build an addition onto my house to bless this man. So whenever he's in town, he has a place to stay. And I have no problem in feeding him because I know he's doing the work of God. Simple. And she asked for nothing in return. Verse 16. About this time next year, Elijah said, "You will hold the son in your arms." Wow. No, my lord," she objected. "Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant." Let's do a modern translation of that. Uh, hold on, preacher man! Don't 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 be playing with my emotions because you know my husband is old and you know that for some reason I can't bear a, a child with my husband in the natural so unless you got some miracle up your sleeve <laughs> uh, why don't we just leave it right there but in verse 17 it's read: but the woman became pregnant and the next year, about the same time she gave birth to a son, just as Elijah had told her. There's your miracle. What do we call that? We covered that in the beginning. Reaping. She planted seeds every time the man of God showed up. And without even saying a word to him, God revealed to him what I'm going to do for her. So by her extreme giving, not only did she provide for the kingdom, she gave birth to a child that she did not believe she would ever come give birth to. When you're faithful to his kingdom, God can do miracles. God will show out. But the greatest part about it is, is that he showed up. Showed up and showed out. Just as in verse 8, as we read, and, and that Paul said, he said, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that all things at all times, having all that you need, will be abound in every good work. That's pretty clear because what Paul is telling us is is that when you are blessed, you will bless others. You should bless others. What he's saying is, is that God will provide for you more than abundantly so you can also take care of those who need it more abundantly. So the more I become a blessing, the greater I am blessed. But it is the heart in which you provide that blessing is the key. And that's the key because if you give just so you can get, mm, that may not work because that's not the way it is. What you give may not be financial. You may, give, you, you, you may bless somebody with time. You may bless somebody with a bowl of soup. There's so many different ways that you can give to the kingdom. And that's what we're talking about here. There's something that's in your life that you have an abundance of, that God has provided you. That question you need to say is, ask yourself is, is that, where am I going to plant the seed of my abundance? Or even, am I planting a seed of my abundance? Because I already know what his promise says. His promise says that if I, if I sow sparingly, I reap sparingly. But if I seed the right way, with a grateful and cheerful heart, knowing that whatever happens, my God is going to is going to provide for me no matter what. Then I don't have to worry about anything. That's the extreme giving process that we all. I think, because we're blessed to be here in this country, that we should qualify for, in some way or fashion. If you know how to sew, sew some clothes for the dance worship team. Because we all know the the sewing cost fees of a seamstress is pretty expensive. If you know how to paint, pick up a brush. We still need the outside of this church painted if you're a roofer definitely need you I need you over at my house if you want to be honest about it now we're going to move into number two the opposite end of that extreme faith and obedience giving giving when obedience calls you to. In 1 Kings 17 verses 8 through 16, we look at Elijah. This is Elijah, the first one, the one who God called up in the chariot. You guess what? <laughs> Jah. So Elijah warned the people in northern Israel of a drought because of the actions of their king. He was acting a hot mess, so God had to lay the smack down. Call it like we see it. There is very little water and food in the land because of the drought. And if you take your time sometime today or or the next week, read 1 Kings 17. From the beginning, you will see that Elijah was going through some things too because he was being tested a little bit. Because um, uh, uh, God wanted to make sure as to who he was as far as God was. Because Elijah was about to be a great voice in that land, and so Elijah had nothing, and he had to rely on God because he was running away because uh, uh, because uh, they, the the king and his woman was going after him to kill him. So he's out in the middle of nowhere with no food, no water, and there's a drought in the land. And the ravens fed him. He sat by a brook and drank water. And ravens flew in and fed him with bread and meat. For a Jewish person to eat from the mouths of a bird, a raven, which is a scavenger, that's a sacrilège. That's like, that's like Muslims eating pork. You just don't do that. But he did it because he needed to know where his source was, that God, he can count on God to provide for him. So... God then tells him to move. And in 1 Kings 17, 8 through 16, God is moving Elijah to a new land. Verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to him. Uh, is that the same one? Uh, that's verse 7. We'll just skip on to verse 8. Skip on to verse 8. <laughs> then the Lord came to him, "Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food." So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. She called, he called to her and asked, "Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink?" As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it. And die. See, the widow, she's in such despair that she's gathering sticks so she can prepare a meal for her and her son. And she believes that that meal is going to be her last meal and she's going to die of starvation along with her son. Imagine that. Nothing else. Would you do that? You got your last Big Mac for you and your child and someone comes to you off on the street that you don't even know and says, hey, can you give me your sandwich? Remember, she just had a handful of flour and he asked for it. Would you do that? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Honest. You can split it, but now you're splitting it three ways. Who gets the pickle? So in order for her to make a statement like that, she was in a, I give up state of mind, a desperate state of mind that she was just going to die of thirst and starvation. Why would God send Elijah to, to a woman for help when she can't even help herself? That's the opposite end of what we were just discussing before. You have somebody that has nothing, literally, just a little bit. She has just enough. And in her words, just enough to die. But we're about to see that she did hold the power to help herself. And the man of God. Both of them are both Elijah and this woman are both going to a trust phase with God. And then they're going to establish a new culture in their lives. Verse 13, Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as, as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son." If this were me, I'd be like, look, okay, I just told you I have a handful and a little bit of oil. How can I go and make something for you and then us on the same time, at the same time? One and one equals two. You're trying to make one and one equals 15. That doesn't mathematically work. Here's the supernatural. Verse 14, for this is what the Lord God of Israel says. Right there, that stops you in your tracks. The man of God said, this is what the Lord God says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain to the land, on the land. So he said, don't even worry about it because when you go... And make that little cake for me. This is going to be enough. In verse 15, she releases the power that she has to survive the drought through faith and obedience. Because the moment that man says the Lord God says, obedience needs to kick in. So then now her faith is being tested. And then obedience is being tested. In verse 15, she went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Imagine that. You go every single day. Just like the five fish, right? The fish and the loaves of bread. Was it five fish? Okay. (laughs) And two loaves of bread. And more just keeps coming up and keep coming up and keep coming up. So every day a provision was provided for you because you were obedient to the word of God. That's the important part. That even though she had nothing, she gave it to God. Nothing. That'd be equivalent to 50 cents, a dollar. But yet, she gave it to God. And you're thinking, well, no, she gave it to the man of God. But understand this, he was a duly representative of God. And in those days, when you heard from them, you heard from God. So you need to ask yourself this question. What am I doing with my little that God gives me? I think that's a pretty important question, don't you? we always talk about everyone says is that if you're faithful in the little God will give you he will be faithful in the much but what do you do when you're being when, when you're tested and not only do you have to be faithful in the little but you have to be obedient in the little obedient to what God has called you to do do you have enough faith to say my child This man says that we're going to have enough to eat. And I know you're hungry right now, but I'm going to have to give that bread morsel to him first. Do you have enough faith to do that? Look, she did not give just to get something back. She gave him faith on the word of God that was spoken. So now in an instant, God changes the culture of just getting by to a culture of faith and giving. And then having a culture of plenty. Because when you call on the Waymaker, He makes a way. Just like our series, The Waymaker, He makes a way. So I hope understanding the two differences between the extreme giving and the faith and obedience giving of what you have, which is in the little, kind of give you an insight on the power of what God has in each and every one of us. We have the power to be influential, influential in the kingdom. And he has given us, given us what we need for that time, at that moment, and that season on that day. Because sometimes you know when you drive and you see the people begging on the side of the street right on, on the highway especially when you get off the freeway they have a sign you know uh, just lost my job i'm a veteran some would be like no he's just gonna go buy some liquor just go and get some drugs but it's happened to me quite a few times where out of the way, out of, I, I don't know what it is—but my hand goes and reach for cash. When knowingly that usually I would say, "No," nah, I kind of size them up. Oh, look at them shoes! That dude got on nicer shoes than me. What are you doing? What's in your wallet? But yet, some of the individuals I just feel compelled where where the God, I'm being obedient because I know God is telling me reach in there because for you it's only twenty dollars. Because I know I have much more than that for you, but for him, he can actually feed his family for the day. I learned a long time ago that when I give, what that person does with it is between them and Jesus. I wash my hands of the encounter that they are going to have with the blessing that they received. Because I was there and obedient in the right time at the right place. So search your hearts and and think about, can you be obedient in the right time, in the right place? It's time to change the culture of what you can do. It's time to change a culture from You give me to what God helped me give you. You get that? Was that a little confusing? No? Okay. Because I I, I got a little confused when I said it. So help me (laughs) give what God has given to me to bless, to be a blessing. But stand on our feet. We've just seen two examples on two different ends of a topic of a giving culture. In the beginning of the message, I asked a question. What kind of culture do you want to represent in your life? Imagine the impact that this house can have on the kingdom. If we change our culture in giving. I know we have such much, so much going on in our lives right now, but, but, but can't we strive to be more faithful and obedient when God calls us to be? Can we be faithful, obedient, extreme givers of our time and offering, but not only that of our, of our gifts, the gifts God gave you, your talents. Dare I say, your anointing? I know we can do more. I know I can do more. I came to a realization some time ago that I can't outgive God, but I can try. I can strive. I can strive to be the best. Provider that he has called me to be. With every eyes closed and every head bowed, right now, where you are, some of you have struggled over the past several months, not just financially, but just wavering in your calling what can I do how can I do it where's my position in the kingdom how can I be a part of a greater culture than what I've established how can I change the culture in my own house in my own life how can I be an impact in the culture in my job in my school in my neighborhood. God is letting you know that I've already given you the power to make that change. You've already possessed it, daughter. I gave it to you when you were born, son. That possession you hold is that once you made a commitment to me, you established a faith in me. And the only thing I call for you to do is just be obedient to that calling. Just be obedient to that faith. Faith. Daughter, put your faith to action. Son, stretch that gift, that talent that I have from you. Stretch it. The more you stretch it, the more I'll give you. If that's you, if you want a little more, every eyes is closed, every head is bowed, nobody's looking at you. If you want a little more, just raise your hand. If you want to, uh, to, to experience a little more of God's power that He can put into you, I see you, son. I see you, daughter. I see you. 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 I will stretch you, He says. I have given you so much to give to others. blessing you have inside of you is the life force of a cultural change